step right up and gather around. Tall folks, kindly at the back, please. I am Professor Gruntsplatter, and I'm the curator of this here spookatorium. Through these doors are wonders and horrors, maybe even a laugh or two. From the dark corners on every street today, all back through recorded time. We'll hear music and tales of the unknown, mysterious, and perhaps even diabolical. That's right, folks. There are strange things beyond this threshold. But if you weren't curious, you wouldn't be here. So, will you take a chance and come on in? Or will you saddle up to the concession stand and always wonder what you may have missed? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Professor Gruntsplatter's Spookatorium. There will be no refunds once you enter. Thank you for your attention, and the brave ones, come with me. Let's fly. 
beyond the rainbow, why, oh, why can't
Episode 21 of Professor Grunsplatter's Spookatorium. I am Professor Grunsplatter. Opening the show up today was Blixabargeld doing his version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Following that was Carpathian Forest with their version of A Forest uh, by The Cure. And the last track there was Tulis doing their version of David Bowie's Space Oddity. Let's see, since the last episode on the site, uh, we've got uh, a little bit more follow-up on the exorcism and possession stories uh, and the church from the last episode. And I actually found this before I finished recording the last episode, uh, but I didn't want to go back and uh, re-record the parts that I'd already done. But there was another exorcism death in Texas, uh, 60 years year old man killed his 59 year old wife Um, his claim was that he was attempting to perform an exorcism on her and in the process the devil entered his body and the devil killed her Um, he had wrapped her body in a sheet and placed a cross and a sword on it there weren't any reports at last check on what it was that actually killed her, but he did admit to the police that he was pinning her face down on the carpet when she died. So uh, smothering is a, is a safe option, I guess. I also found an interesting article about the decline in enrollment of religious orders within the Catholic Church, uh, being, you know, monks and, and nuns, basically. And during the reign of Pope John Paul II, enrollment in religious orders dropped 25%. And just between 2005 and 2006, it's dropped an additional 10%. So I thought that was interesting that as people are, are not only in the public are losing interest in the church, um, 
the more devout personality is also shying away from that life. And again, interesting that um, this exorcism and possession stories are coming up again. Um, I found a little bit more information on the possession treatment center that's being built in Poland. Some of the, the classifications of what they, they deemed satanic was what I found most interesting. Um, you'll remember Reverend Amorth, the uh, exorcist-in-chief of the Vatican. Uh, he's quoted as saying, people don't pray anymore, they don't go to church, they don't go to confession. The devil has an easy time of it. There's a lot more devil worship, people interested in satanic things and seances, unless in Jesus. Well, according to Reverend Jankowski, one of the folks working at the center, those risks and satanic interests include people who turn away from the church and embrace New Age therapies, alternative religions or the occult, internet addicts, and yoga devotees. Yoga is potentially satanic, but um, decades of raping children is is not on that list, um, you'll notice. One other instance that they mentioned in the, the story was a woman who was seeking divorce and instantly, like a switch they claim, began to hate her husband. And this was clearly the result of demonic possession and not because of whatever facilitated the divorce. Um, so it, it seems like just another rung in the uh, exoskeleton of the, the boogeyman that they're trying to pack some meat on here. Um, so that's, uh, that's one thing that's on this site and uh, a couple of cool uh, freaky toad stories as well. Uh, you probably saw this if you pay any attention to the headlines at all, but um, scientists discovered the prehistoric bones of a giant toad that they've nicknamed the Devil Toad or Bezel Buffo. Uh, it weighed in excess of 10 pounds, um, which is a good three pounds larger than the current biggest living frog. Um, and it, it was believed that the Devil Toad was actually capable of taking down small dinosaurs. Um, and the thing that they also found was quite interesting about this is that the biology or the physiology of the toad, as they've determined it, um, is quite similar to existing toads that live in South America. But Madagascar and South America are nowhere near each other, and so it's causing them to sort of rethink what prehistoric geography may have been like and how two similar creatures could basically end up on opposite sides of the world. Um, and then there was a story that it actually came out um, back in September about a Japanese scientist who had created a transparent frog. It's clear, basically, or, or not clear, but clear. Um, and the reasoning for doing this, they say, is so that you can view all of the organs of the frog without having to dissect the frog for educational purposes, thereby sparing the frogs and they will stay the frogs stay transparent from from tadpole stage up until you know they die they're always clear um, and this uh, professor Masayuki Sumida is hoping that he will eventually be able to experiment further with some of the mutations that he's working with and create a frog that will actually glow if it develops cancer um, he's planning on patenting his frog technology. So there's the last couple stories from the site, um, www.spookatorium.org. 
you can check that out. There's uh, links to the Flickr group and whatnot. Nestled among sigils and arcane pantheons, we look to the clandestine world of cults and the esoteric knowledge of the occult. I never really intended to use the show to dissect mainstream religions, but when I see things that surprise me or intrigue me with them, like the exorcism stuff and this next story, I will cover them, being that they're a a product of spirituality and and mythology. The ritual of Kaparat precedes Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement. Uh, I'm not Jewish, and I'd never heard of this before. I stumbled across a recent story out of New York. The premise is that prior to the Day of Atonement, The believer takes a live chicken and circles or swings it over their head three times in a ritualistic transfer of the believer's sins into the chicken. The chicken is then sacrificed or slaughtered, depending on how you want to play with the semantics on that, and the meat is donated to the poor. Uh, On January 17th, lowhud.com, a news service for the lower Hudson Valley, New York, reports county health, health officials stating, a group involved in a religious ceremony involving 11,000 live chickens on county property was fined yesterday for leaving the site strewn with blood, feces, feathers, and other garbage that attracted flies and maggots and caused potential for disease. So this ritual took place on county property with the county's knowledge over the course of five days. They sacrificed 11,000 chickens in a religious ceremony. The fine imposed on them for this biohazardous phantasmagoria was $3,000 and the fine was not for the ritual but for the but it was for the mess that they left I can't help but think that if a similar ritual even on a much smaller scale was conducted in the name of a different less revered religion it would have led to epic outcry news stories and protest on the national level There were those that opposed this, largely animal rights people, and I'll have a a link to a PETA video on the site that shows footage from a similar ritual a couple years ago. Um, But all due respect to lowhud.com, they're not the site where the world gets its news. You know, when stories of crazy cat ladies' homes being raided for having 20 or 30 cats make headlines on the cable news sites and AP wire and the ritualistic sacrifice of 11,000 chickens on public property does not, it certainly makes you wonder why. Conversely, uh, the Sioux City Journal ran a recent article headlined, Two Dead in Ritual Killing. The story goes that a 25-year-old man was, according to police, quote, performing some strange ritual that went bad. As a result, two young girls died, one was 10, one was 8, the man was their stepfather, and the mother was not home. However, looking at the details of the story, the girls were killed in their bedroom, one by stabbing, one by strangulation, and then the house had been set on fire, though somewhat unsuccessfully, that sounds like. Reports are that the kids were dead before the attempted arson. If the man was actually performing a ritual with some occult implications, it seems unlikely that he would have done it in their bedroom and chosen strangulation as one of his means of sacrifice. The fire then occurred afterwards and was set in the basement of the house, not in the bedroom. And police admit a lot of times arson is generally used to cover up 
other criminal activity. This just doesn't add up to me as a ritualistic sort of killing. There's no mention of any sort of paraphernalia associated with the occult, only that, quote, the spell had gone bad and could have had serious consequences, unquote. And that's from the police, with no supporting information as to how they determined any of it. I also like that they say it could have had serious consequences when there's two dead girls in a burned up house that are already on the table. It suggests that they not only believe they know what the spell was, but what it was intended to do and believed that it could be successful. I mean, maybe this is just shoddy journalism. It is shoddy journalism in one way or another, no question, but headlining this is some sort of occult killing and then presenting no evidence to support it, but speculation from the police alone is dubious. Uh, it sounds to me more like a young stepdad that lost his temper at two kids who weren't his, killed them, and then realized their mom would be home soon and set the place on fire. The article does mention that they had not determined uh, whether the girls had been sexually assaulted or not, so it seems like, you know, that reality is somewhere in the back of somebody's mind. Um, this is just an example of the media hyping an esoteric angle on a story that in the end I would be surprised actually had one. And and then when it's juxtaposed against the Caparot story that went virtually uncovered by anybody, it does seem a little suspicious. Um, how the two two things are dealt with in the media. Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious to the sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Yeah. I'm the 
astutely observed by now I am playing all cover songs this week uh, opening the setup was The Accused with I'd Love to Change the World originally done by 10 years after following that was Harmony Garden with Astronomy Domine also famously covered by Voivod but originally done by uh, Pink Floyd and after that was Mal Havoc with Happy House and Dark Throne with Love in a Void both of those originally recorded by Susie and the Banshees Mind your fingers and toes as we step to the carousel of cryptids and creeping things that lurk in the shadows of history and along the back roads that stitch your neighborhoods together. In the 16th century, sailors began returning from afar bringing bizarre creatures with them, uh, frightening faces, uh, devilish sort of grimaces, a haunting kind of winged, flowing body type. Um, It was thought by those on the mainland that these specimens were straight from mythology. Uh, Some thought it was a winged snake, some thought it was a dragon, some thought they were uh, the mythological basilisk. Um, And there were those that believed that the height of one of these basilisks could be turned into medicine that would counteract a poisoning. 
the name that they went by, what else could they go by but this name, Jenny Hanover. That's right. Um, although also known by some as the devil fish. Uh, the name Jenny Hanover has been suggested to come from a French phrase that translates uh, in, in English to the young girl of Antwerp. Um, and it was in Antwerp, Belgium, where sailors would sit and carve these creatures on the docks, um, believing, at least in theory, that they were making uh, mermaids. Uh, most of them are far more horrifying looking than what you would imagine a, a traditional mermaid might look like. Um, they carved the creatures out of dry stingrays, skates, cuttlefish, things like that, and would piece them together into these unsightly beasts and sold them to other sailors passing through and, and to tourists. Uh, the, the Jenny Hanovers were debunked rather quickly and, and the debunking spread quite a bit throughout Europe. It was not really a secret uh, if you paid attention that they were not real. And yet the creations have continued to surface and be passed off as genuine monsters into modern times. In 1546, a creature was discovered off the coast of Denmark that came to be known as the sea monk because its shape bore a superficial resemblance to a hooded monk. And since its discovery, there has been a lot of speculation on what it may have been, um, anything from a giant squid to a walrus to some type of seal to an angel shark has been suggested, but there are also those that believe it may well have been one of these Jenny Hanovers that had washed up on the shore that day. Um, so in looking into the story, I even found a spot that will sell you one for $75. So I'll have a link in that for the notes with the rest of the links. And uh, if you pick one up, tell them the Spookatorium sent you.
Falling like a distant wind And through the zero hour Got to say, break the sin No sun break, no moment clear When all the doubts are crystal clear Crushing heart into the secret wind
That was DeSau with Isolation, uh, originally recorded by Joy Division. Before that was a track. Uh, that one goes out to Jeff from uh, the Plague House podcast. That was Ember doing a cover of The Misfits Earth AD. Uh, before that, we had Subterranean Masquerade doing a cover of Peter Murphy's Cuts You Up. And opening that set up was uh, Babyland doing Burning Up from Madonna. As always, if you hear your song on the show and you don't want your song on the show, uh, just let me know and I will get rid of it. If you have any questions, comments, uh, cool stories, anything like that, uh, you can email me at professor at thespookatorium.org. Uh, be sure and check out the website at spookatorium.org. It's got uh, additional stories. Uh, Flickr group link is there. There's about 175 people in there now, and I don't know how many pictures. Um, there's a link to the forum and all that kind of business. Gather round and hear treatments and tales of the medicine wagon and the spookatoriums rolling with apothecary. In 1760, Swiss philosopher Charles Bonnet determined his grandfather, who was nearly blind with cataracts, was having visions of things that were not there. In exploring it further, Bonnet determined his grandfather was not the only one with vision impairment that was having similar experiences. The hallucinations were not vague suggestions of objects, but in some cases whole buildings or figures that were not actually present. I hadn't heard of this phenomenon, which has come to be known as Charles Bonnet Syndrome, until I was recently reading a great essay called Eye Spirits by Paul Devereaux from uh, the collection Dark Lore Volume 1, which is available on Daily Grail Press. It's a great book. Um, Devereaux recounts the story of an acquaintance of his who has macular degeneration disease and had lost all but um, some of his peripheral vision. In addition to objects appearing and reappearing from view, the man described similar visions as, as Charles Bonnet had discovered back in the 1700s. Described in the article, the visions are as simple as flowers and trees to sort of vague misty apparitions all the way up to complex full processions of many people marching in line. Um, Others have even reported seeing more fantastical things like monsters and angels and even the recently deceased. And while a majority of the visions are proportional, being, you know, life-size buildings are the size that buildings are, people are the right size, there are some that have reported seeing miniature versions of people and buildings and their hallucinations and and frequently they'll appear and then they'll just sort of fade into the ground and other reports include entire surroundings morphing into something altogether different than the reality be it uh, a fence suddenly appearing in front of you um, streets changing shape rooms shifting stairs leading to something other than where they would be normally leading to And it's these types of visions that can be quite impactful on the person's life because it affects their ability to truly navigate through their day. And all of this is seen by people who are, for argument's sake, essentially blind. Um, I investigated this a bit further, and it seems that the hallucinations tend to go away 
uh, from what I've read after a year or a year and a half or so. But you have to consider for that year and a half, these people don't know what's happening to them. And at the very least, in their quiet moments, they must question their sanity on some level. These visions, however, can't be traced back to psychological deficiencies. And while science doesn't really understand entirely what's going on, the belief is that because the brain functions so prominently on the stimulus that we gain from sight, when the brain is not receiving these pictures, it begins to draw images from memory to fill that dead space. And so that's where some people believe these visions are coming from. And I guess as the brain acclimates to the, the new life without sight is when these hallucinations start to draw back and, and they don't happen so often. Um, I suppose in some ways it could be equated with the phantom limb syndrome. Um, currently there's no cure for the condition, but it's been found that simply determining that it's, it's Charles Bonnet syndrome and not some sort of psychological issue has proven to be the most helpful thing to the sufferers. You don't really want 
Find myself in times of trouble. Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom. Let it be. 
Then the broken hearted people living in the world agree There will be an answer, let it be be parted there is still a chance that they will see there will be an answer let it be 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 there will be an answer let it be 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 whisper words of wisdom let it be And when the night is cloudy There's still a light that shines on me Shine until tomorrow Let it be I wake up to the sound of a music Mother Mary comes to me Speaking words of wisdom Let it be Yeah, let it be Let it be That is going to do it for this episode, number 21. Um, the last track you heard there was Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds doing a cover of Let It Be by the Beatles, and before that was Coil with their version of Soft Cell's Tainted Love. Uh, playing in the background today, the only track that hasn't been a cover is a piece called Carnival Magic from a project called Dell, um, and that's been underneath the whole show. Um, I'm going to try a little experiment. Uh, everything on the show today was a cover song. I'm going to ask that uh, people who have been listening send me an email at professor at spookatorium.org saying which of the cover songs was your favorite and when I'm getting ready to post the next show uh, I will do a drawing of whoever has submitted and the winner will receive um, a CD from Blood of the Black Owl uh, it's a sort of ritualistic doom project from Chet Scott, the man that does Rur Hunter, a great sort of folk ambient drone kind of project. This is his doom project, and it's uh, it's quite multi-layered and, and rather haunted in its uh, presentation. Um, so if you're interested in that, drop an email to professor at spookatorium.org 
and I will. Uh, all you need to do is tell me which one of the cover songs were your favorite. I'll uh, draw a winner right before the next show and um, get one of these discs in the mail to you. That's going to do it. Uh, the last track I've got for you is uh, Never Presence Forever and their cover of Napalm Death's Multinational Corporations. Thank you.